Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. I don't know, maybe you didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I I knew you were going to go there. I'm going to close the entire hunting season. Oh, really? The Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. By Hay Bale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Well, it's that time of year. People are thinking about fishing, but it's never too early to start thinking about fall a little bit. And maybe you're maybe you're planning food plots. You're starting your land management projects. Maybe you've already been on them for quite a while. Uh, but trail cameras have become more and more a part of that process. And I've never been one to set them out too early in the year. Well, I guess I've been leaving leaving a few of them out year round nowadays, but I'm going to start adding more earlier in the year just to kind of see what's going on. Also, I just like to see wildlife all year round. So whether it deals with my fall pursuits or not, I just like, I like, you know, check out when the fawns are being born, see what other wildlife is out there walking around. And we're going to talk about trail cameras right now. Uh, we got Trent Marsh and Tanner Cherney from Spy Point with us joining us on the show. How you fellas doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Tanner, you were doing a little bit of fishing recently. I have been, you know, spring in the Dakotas is a great time to get obviously trail cameras out, but uh, tough to beat spring walleye bite. Yeah, you you were on, you were up up on Devil's Lake recently, weren't you? I was, I was up there a little over a week ago and things are just starting to get going. Water temps are rising, or yeah, water temps are rising, good spring runoff. So uh, it's go time. You know, I mean, when you talk about water levels rising, Devil's Lake is, it's almost synonymous with high water for the last, you know, 20 years or whatever. But since they've put in some more, uh, uh, the uh, the outflows and whatever, they put some more water control structures and, and different measurements to help control that, pot, that that lake level just a little bit. It's It hasn't been as bad, but this year, that whole, I mean, that whole stretch up to Canada, that Red River stretch has been a nightmare this year. And I was curious what it was like up at Devil's Lake. Yeah, the overland flooding has been insane in the eastern half of North Dakota and western half of Minnesota. But yeah, I, right now, I want to say the last I heard from a report was the lake was going to rise about four, four and a half feet this spring with the influx of water coming from the Canadian border and just the amount of moisture we had with the crazy winter we had up here in uh, northern North Dakota. Yeah, tough, tough sled. And how was fishing? It was good. It's, uh, you know, we're kind of about three weeks behind, just like everything with planting up here with uh, the food plots, um, the row crops that are going in. I mean, fishing is just the same thing where we're probably uh, right now at the beginning of a main bite when we should be typically getting ready for the June bite. So everything comes in due time, but uh, things are just starting to get rolling and um, that pitching and bobber bites uh, right around the corner. Well, I, uh, I would like to try to get up there this summer. You got to love Devil's Lake, uh, but you're working with Spy Point now. Of course, you spent a lot of time up in Devil's Lake and now you're with, you've been with Spy Point for a while now, I guess. But Trent, I want to ask you about this new camera with Spy Point, the Spy Point Flex. That's the new big product from Spy Point this year, right? 
Yeah, we uh, we launched the Flex at ATA in January, uh, and it, it was the reception was warm. You know, it's it's been fun. Uh, a lot of the products that we've rolled through here, uh, they've they've been a pleasure to promote. But man, the Flex is uh, you know I'm I'm a marketer. And I, I like it when my job is easy and promoting the flex is easy. It, it just, it's been pretty much the response we got from everybody at ATA and SHOT Show was, you know, every concern I've ever had with a cellular trail camera, every issue I've ever had, the flex is working to address that. So whether it's the dual SIM or, you know, the 33 megapixel and the 1080p video with sound, um, over the air uh, firmware updates, it just test and, and format buttons like it's it's literally if you've had an issue with a, a cellular show camera the flex is addressing it it's it's fun to see well, i want to i want to walk through all those things that you just mentioned but it's just aesthetically looking at it it looks like a cool camera i'm not gonna lie it looks like a star wars fan designed it uh-huh little, little kind of mandalorian-ish kind of a <laughs> you know it looks like it might be something different from tatooine yeah there's a little bit of a helmet a little bit of a helmet look to it maybe yeah, I like it. It's cool. So um, let's let's run through some of these things because, you know, it's, it's, you know, say what you want about social media, but people love sharing pictures and videos. And mm -hmm. even if you don't like sharing that stuff, just being able to have a better image to look at, like I, you know, you go back a few years and you're looking at grainy photos. Is that a, is that ten points on that? Is that Outside, uh -huh. the, you know, you're trying, you're zooming in, it's getting all grainy and pixelated, having 33 megapixels. Uh, that's, that's nice. That's a nice sensor. That's a nice camera. It is. It's, uh, that's a huge step forward. And, and the other thing too, and, and this is a question we get often, it's, it's an education point frequently is you're not getting 33 megapixels in the app. Um, it's, we've all sat in a tree stand and we've all tried to send a picture to a buddy on our phone. And just like our cameras, we are not hunting in the best location. The cell signal is not great. And we can watch that battery drain and that mm -hmm. little progress bar get to like 80% and then message failed. Try sending his text message, right? So now imagine doing that for a 200 photo batch. <laughs> so it, it, we can't we can't send every photo as the full image. So they're going to be a compressed thumbnail. So what you're going to see in the app, you know, it's it, it's obviously you can tell that there's deer. You can tell it's a buck. Depending on how it's set up, you can you can see it pretty well. But being 33 megapixels, even that compressed photo is going to be better. Um, so not only whether it's the high res version that you request or when you pull the card, but even what shows up in the app, you're going to see a lot of improvement there in, in what that, uh, what that photo looks like. So it's sending uh, a lower resolution image to your, to the app, but can you, you can request uh, a high, high quality image yep. to be sent. Yep, you can do, uh, you know, all of our Insider Club members get 50 full free HD downloads uh, with their membership a year, but you can also purchase uh, packages. So 50 full HD downloads for just five bucks. And then when you get that picture, and I don't know how it works that the big deer are able to identify the camera. They go to the internet, they figure out flash and detection range, and when that flash range is 80 feet, they stand at 84 and a half feet. Mm. 
I don't know how they managed to do that, but it's never the big deer that come up 18 feet from the camera, stand broadside, give you a profile, give you a head on, the full mug shot. They don't do that. So, yeah, when you you know, you know see something in the photo and it's just outside of the flash range or whatever the case may be, you can request that full HD download. And then that will replace the low-res thumbnail uh, in your in your gallery to be able to see. Nice see that image a little bit better well i don't know how i don't know how they know that but that's why they got that big (laughs) Uh it's not accidental it is not accidental you know an hd video obviously in the world that i live in where i work with video so much and i'm making tv shows i love having hd video coming from my trail camera because i'm working trail camera video and and photos into tv shows all the time so that's that's kind of nice 1080p and the sound and having the sound too because you Mm -hmm. know being some of the sounds that you hear you know where when it's just from a trail camera you're out in the middle of nowhere it's not sounds you hear anywhere else but maybe you know the discovery channel or exactly animal planet or something yeah and and we are going to be transmitting those videos now as well so you know we've we've always transmitted the the photos but now you're actually going to be able to receive uh similar to what you're doing with the full hd um photos you're going to be able to get those videos as well right into the app and in the past, you've had to have different cameras for different uh, cell carriers, different companies, but this will work yeah. with with whoever. Yeah, that's honestly, this is, that's the most exciting thing about the Flex is uh, we were the first ones to introduce this true dual SIM concept. So both, we've got two SIM cards that are both coming pre-installed, pre-activated. So there is no more worrying about carrier model. Uh, it's just, it's, you're gonna turn it on and it's going to check the first card. And if it finds usable signal, great. It'll connect to that and it'll go down the road. If not, it'll roll over to that other card. It'll find a signal there. So if, if, if there is a usable signal, it's gonna find it. But what the Flex does that takes it even the next step further is it's constantly monitoring because both cards are in the camera. There's been some other manufacturers that they'll send you both cards, but you have to select the card and then call customer service or whatever the case may be. But both cards aren't in there all the time because both cards are in there. The flex is constantly monitoring the performance of the network. And if it drops below a certain threshold, then the flex will automatically go over and say, all right, let's check the other SIM card and see if we can't do better over here. And if it can, then it'll make the switch. And if not, it, it won't. It'll stay where it's at with the best signal that it has. But it's doing all that automatically. So you don't have to worry anymore. You know, the, the guys from Backwoods Life, uh, we've talked about it before. They've got uh, their lease in Georgia. Literally one side of the creek is AT&T and the other side of the creek is Verizon. <laughs> so even on the same farm, they can't use, like, they. how often do you move cameras? You're moving them all the time. But they have to know, well, this is a Verizon. That has to be on the west side of the creek or the north side of the creek. Now, they're just going to be able to move cameras wherever they want to take them and never have to worry about it. So it's in terms of how much easier it's going to be to deploy those cameras, um, how much how much quicker it's going to make the deployment of those cameras, and just how much easier it's going to make uh, getting those cameras into the field. It's uh, That dual SIM is is really, really exciting. Well, for guys that, I mean, some guys are moving those cameras around a lot and some guys just like to put a camera and don't, you know, if you put it in your refuge on your property or whatever you're trying to manage, you don't want to go in there at all. It's, it's nice to be able to get high res stuff sent to your app. And then you can also update the firmware through the app. 
Yeah, we, we're going to be able to do a remote firmware update as well. So not only is getting the camera into the woods and set up easier than ever, but now keeping it working throughout the entire year is easier than ever too. So you're going to be able to push those OTA updates uh, right to the camera. You're no longer going to have to put that onto an SD card and swap that SD card out. Uh, so again, makes my job easy. Uh, yeah. all, all the things that, that people eh, don't, you know, I put it out, but I don't really want to go change the firmware. I don't want to go back in there. Guess what? Now it's another problem we've solved. Yeah. So is all this just from brainstorming ideas or some customer feedback or all the above? All the above. I mean, we've the amount of time and effort and research that went into answering the questions and answering the calls from our customers and our influencers and our pro staffers. It's, it's been, it's been fun to see. It's, you know, this was not a a product that we built in eight months. The, the arc on building this product has been coming for a long time with a lot of feedback from users to make sure that, you know, the, the features that they liked, they were getting, but then also the things that had been pain points and the things that had been kind of a barrier to use in the past that we were, you know, making that as easy as possible. It was really, the goal was autonomy. How autonomous can we make this camera? How set it and forget it can we make a camera? And, you know, it's it's not truly set it and forget it, but it's, it's really just about as close as you can get, I think. And you, you can take photos, videos, uh, and time lapses. There's uh, four capture modes on it. Yeah, so there, there's photo, video, time-lapse, and then we also have time-lapse plus. So traditionally, when you use time-lapse mode, then your your detection sensor is essentially turned off. It's just, it's, okay, you want to take pictures every 15 minutes? We'll take pictures every 15 minutes. But Bigfoot can walk by at minute seven, back to when bucks know where that flash range goes. They somehow know not to stand there at the scheduled time when that photo is going to be taken. So in time-lapse plus, you've got your time-lapse times, but also your trigger is staying active as well. So anything that, mm. any detection that would trigger the camera, you're going to get those in line as well. Interesting. So, I mean, that's kind of the best of both worlds then at that point. Mm-hmm. What I mean, what can you do to make this thing better? What's going to be next? I'm thinking if it could start printing money, um, you know, uh, in integral uh, scent elimination, you know, there, there's probably something we could do, but like I said, it was one of those things where standing there at ATA and, and walking people through and watching Tanner walk people through, they just kind of stood there and looked at you and said, well, uh, cool. <laughs> again i i i like my job to be easy and and it makes it easy because everything you ever hear from anybody we're pretty much addressed so you need you need a dispenser that drops like a doan estrus and then an ozone block like ozone shield coming uh-huh. out of the other side uh-huh that would that would be just about i'm here it. to help I, again, we're, we're already working on the next thing. So uh, no, no idea is a bad idea. Uh, and then can you hook up uh, like a solar panel to this solar charger? Yeah, so you can, uh, it's got a 12 volt battery port in it, just like uh, all the rest of our cameras. So what, you can hook it up to an external battery pack and then you can hook a solar panel up to that external battery pack. So, 
yeah, if you want to, if you got a place you want to let this thing soak, you know, we, we've missed, you kind of said in the open or in the opening that, you know, you, you've been starting to put them out a little bit earlier and starting mm-hmm. to leave some cameras out all year long. And that's, that's something that, um, even before I got to spy point, I was starting to do more of, but especially now in the fall, obviously it's hunting season. So I've got them out during hunting season, but then, uh, I've gotten into trapping the last few years. So monitoring those predator, uh, appearances on cameras, especially in the late season, doing a lot of that. And by then I'm like, well, okay, now I'm going to leave them out because I want to, I don't want to go traipsing around looking for sheds until they actually start dropping. So I'm leaving them out watching for sheds. And then that kind of becomes my camera maintenance window is from the end of shed season to turkey season or when the fawns start dropping. Because then I want those cameras back out there to either be watching for those birds or I want to start watching fawn recruitment. I want to start watching for the does that maybe she has triplets or twins, but then she loses one or two of those fawns. Again, goes back to monitoring the predators and where am I going to run traps this year and all that kind of thing. And then by the time fawns are through, now the bucks are putting enough growth on that I want my cameras back out there. So there's really about a a three to a six week window where I'm bringing all my cameras in, I'm running my uh, yearly maintenance on them, but then they're going right back to the woods. I mean, they're, they're not getting me pictures of anything in the garage. And, and honestly, at this point, so many of the, my favorite photos and even like what Tanner's running through social and stuff, my favorite photos aren't the deer photos. It's, you know, skunks fighting or a cool (laughs) hawk photo or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's, it's those other, you know, those crazy turkey success photos that we see, you know, those are the ones that I like seeing. And, you know, if they're just on the, on the deer pattern, then you're going to miss a lot of that stuff. Yeah. That was, that was me walking back with my turkey this year. Um, rubbing in that I didn't get a bird. I appreciate that. (laughs) That was, that was great. Man, it was a tough season this year and we don't need to get a sidetrack on turkeys or anything, but we like, we, we spent eight days doing this uh, trip with my buddy Corey down to Missouri and Nebraska and we hunted hard and uh, it was kind of about hunting with ticks and wearing some clothing with permethrin and insect shield in it to see how it would do. But man, the turkeys were tough and you know i just struggled we shot a couple birds down there and then i came back to minnesota where it's been a real challenge to shoot a turkey and i shot my turkey in about five minutes this year like it was the easiest turkey hunt i've ever had so you just never know with those birds i'm talking to people like it really seemed like that was the case across the country um talk i'm in northeast indiana and there were a lot of guys that they just punted on the season in general because even, you know, preseason scouting places where you could go and there'd be five, eight, 10, 15 gobblers, they could sit for a day and hear one or two got like it just, it's, it's been a problem. It was something, um, we actually had, uh, one of the guys from NWTF on to talk about, uh, help the Yelp, uh, on the spy mm-hmm. point podcast earlier this spring, because I, I think it's something that we're seeing a lot of places, um, those recovery efforts always kind of have that like false peak to them, right? Because everybody's on the bandwagon and getting turkeys back and that's great. And then obviously where you peak isn't reality. Um, and I think we're starting to see some of that. And I think people are, are running into, there's a lot of different reasons. Habitats one, um, you know, I mentioned trapping earlier, just looking around here and what I see, I had a picture two years ago 
I, I ran a feeder on a place that I don't actually hunt, but just ran a feeder and I had 14 raccoons on one walnut tree trying to get into this feeder. Man. That's just on its face. That's not sustainable for turkey populations. And you look at the price of fuel coupled with the price of, fu- of fur and nobody's you know, growing up. Yeah. Nobody's trapping. And then the other one that it, it just kind of dawned on, like, Growing up, Northeast Indiana, there was always like half the farmers had hounds and ran coons. Well, we're seeing these big, big properties get broken up into smaller. You can't run coon dogs anymore. You're going to cross 15 people's property trying to chase one raccoon through a swamp. So it's it's kind of been very slowly and now all at once. Some of these controls that were in place you know, even before we really had a, a huntable population in northern Indiana, the raccoons were more in check. The possum, there's just there was more control happening, and now we're trying to maintain that that healthy population of huntable turkeys. But you've got a predator population that's exploding. You've got CRP contracts that are coming to an end. You've got more acres than ever getting plowed into to beans and corn, and that's great. But we talk about habitat and the habitat that those birds need to, to really be successful. And there's no one thing that's stacking up against them. It's a bunch of stuff that's at 50 or 75% of what we would really like it to be for the sustainability of, of the animal. Um, and it's, it's a little, just at least here locally, it's a little troublesome. How yeah, I heard we've seen the decline in just the last few years. Well, I heard from people in Nebraska that said the, the numbers are down. I heard from people in Missouri that said the numbers are down. I've been saying it uh, for the last couple of years where I'm at in Western Minnesota, numbers are down. And I think you're right. It's a combination of a, of a few things. Somebody brought up a theory about the type of fertilizer that's being used. And, it you know, maybe turkey fertilizer is being used and maybe turkeys are getting into it. And something is, you know, kind of messing them up uh, disease wise. But. The other thing that I heard, and it's something that you alluded to, is when turkeys are introduced into an area, I think they they explode and they do really well. And I know some of the areas where they were introduced fairly recently, there's there's turkeys everywhere, but then it's almost like they shrink down to what the carrying capacity of that habitat is. And as more and more habitat disappears, that's going to get smaller and smaller. So it almost it's almost like the, yeah, they go up and they peak, and then they kind of go back and settle into where they were at. And hopefully they don't disappear like they did way back when. But and when we were down there in Nebraska, there were raccoons everywhere, all over the place. And uh, uh, everybody, uh, I don't think anybody's trapping him except Sam Soholt. I think he's he's the only guy that's got those traps out there, which okay. we're going to go get some of those uh, the, the dog safe traps or whatever. Dog whatever, proofs, yeah. Dog proof traps. So easy, yeah. We got a bunch here. In fact, I had found a blue wing teal nest in my yard uh, a week ago or whatever it was, a week and a half ago. And uh, put a camera on it, got a little bit of footage of her sitting on the nest in the tall grass. It was pretty neat. And then two days later, I went back out. I was going to put a camera on her again, and the nest was destroyed, and there was broken eggs all over. And that night, we had raccoons and coyotes in the yard making a making a racket in the middle of the night so there's going to be some predator control happening here soon it's been something that like i said the last couple of years i've gotten a lot more you know because a there's never as much time to hunt as i would like anyway so trying to trying to do things and, and just stay involved and do something different so um been picking up the traps here the last couple of years and uh 
had had a quite a bit of luck on raccoons and and got into coyotes a couple times last year and you know not even even if fur's not worth anything you know the impact that it has on one property it's an 80 acre property i sat it uh five of seven days in early november i saw a coyote every sit Mm. jeez on on 80 acres (laughs) on 80 acres yeah I mean, that just, whether it's deer, whether it's turkeys, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. When you've got, when you've got predators that regular, it's, it's time to do something about it. So took a 34 pound female off that on my last check day in Indiana this year. hmm. Um, That's a, that's a healthy coyote. Uh, So taking that female out uh, right at the end of March there is uh, breeding season is, is kind of in full swing. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd have happily taken three or four more off, but knowing that uh, one means probably four, five, six or seven taken out. I am perfectly content with that. Absolutely. You know, and obviously weather is, can still be the number one factor when it comes to determining population levels. Um, habitat that you coordinate that with habitat of course so animals can withstand that weather but we've had some pretty major storms and tanner where where are you living these days tanner in bismarck oh you're out in bismarck all right so we this week we had more tornadoes rip through here western minnesota we had one miss us i don't know six seven miles away something like that it was pretty close we were fortunate we just lost a couple shingles but a couple of weeks ago in that last storm tornado ripped the tornado literally hit the farm a half mile south of us and then either just must have picked up and gone over us or gone right around us we lost a couple of big trees and a bunch of shingles but uh i'm sure and and with all the high water that we're getting in a lot of places there's nests whether it's waterfowl or turkeys or whatever there's nests getting wiped out everywhere and Corey loffler sent me a a graphic from it was a radar image of of the storm over nebraska the other day and it was just this big giant red blob over western nebraska and it said that they found six inch diameter hail in that storm i think it was reed timmer posted something he said it was the second largest hailstone he'd ever seen like six inches or something like that that's wiping out a lot of critters man that's definitely not having a good effect on that did you get any of that weather out there in bismarck you know we've had our fair share of rain we probably have got seven inches in the last month and a half which is about six and a half more inches than we had the last two years but (laughs) fingers crossed we haven't had any of the nasty storms hail high winds, any of that stuff, just our fair share of precip, which it's kind of a blessing in disguise because last year we had such a bad EHD run with the drought over here that yeah. uh, hopefully that's made its course, ran through, and we can start building back up with our populations. Well, and of course, a lot of our ducks come from your neck of the woods over there too, so some some good nesting habitat and some water is good for us. Absolutely. Flooding out the nest a little bit. So what's the what's the craziest trail camera picture somebody sent in to you? Oh, I would have to say, honestly, the one we, I got about three weeks ago, um, a guy had his trail cam set up in the forest and squirrel happened to trigger the, uh, the camera, actually. And in the background, there was a doe giving birth and she ended up giving birth, <laughs> live birth to two fawns that got caught on camera, which what? in the last year since I've been getting a lot of the social media stuff. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy cool stuff between coyotes and bobcats and wolves being caught on camera, but that I would have to say is one of the coolest, most interesting, just sequence of photos that 
I've encountered so far. I'm sure Trent's probably seen a lot of other ones, but yeah. that definitely was one of the, the highlights. So this was, th- these are still photos from this event? They are still photos. I shared it probably about two, two weeks ago. All right. So page. it's on the spy point. Okay. On uh, Instagram, Facebook, maybe Both. Dan. Yep. Dan will maybe try to dig it up here. So it's an image. It's a series of images. A squirrel triggered the camera. And then there was a, a, a doe giving birth in the background. Yes. Yep. Yeah. A squirrel just happened to come by, trigger the camera, and you could see the doe kind of bedded up in the background just a little ways. And then, you know, all of a sudden, little fawn comes out. And then not too far after it, the second fawn comes out that way. And lo and behold, there's twins that just appeared. So it was... It was just a stroke of luck that that squirrel had triggered it to begin with to even capture the beginning of that sequence. That's pretty cool. Did you say that was from this year? It was. It was actually just from, I want to say, within the last three, four weeks is when it actually was captured. All right. That's awesome. What's been, has that been one of the most, uh, like, well-received pictures on uh, that you've had on on your it, it has media? it has been but yet there's times where you think like okay this photo is going to blow up because this like i mean it's interesting to see how we have our own personal what we think is really cool and neat but yet <laughs> yeah. our hundred and some thousand other audiences totally don't agree or something i think is like ah, oh, yeah that's just a typical whatever and all of a sudden boom that one blows up so there's been a lot of different ones that have gone quote unquote viral um in the last six months, that's probably been the biggest one that's gone out there. I'm trying to think. We had a couple this last spring that were pretty high performers, but it's just there's such a wide variety of content that comes across my email on a daily basis. And some of the it's, ones I'm really like. It's liking. never what you think it's going to be, though. It's never the one you think it's going to be. That's that's social media in general, I feel like. Uh-huh. I don't know how many times we've spent hours creating a video and put it out there like, oh, this is the best video we've ever made and it does okay. And then we'll, you know, I'll take a picture of my dog pooping or something and it's like a thousand likes. (laughs) (laughs) The one one I was thinking of actually was uh, just not too long ago, you know, we have cameras at Spy Point over in Europe and there was a fox pup that had been caught on a Force Pro and we shared that video, which kind of went, I don't know, like 13, some thousand people saw it on Instagram. And I forget how many on Facebook, but it was just one of those like feel good, like cute little uh, fox pup. And so there's so many different things. It's hard to keep track of a lot of them when you think about the amount of content we're trying to put out there on a daily basis just to keep people engaged, but also entertained and throw some great stuff their way. How often do you guys get something sent in? You're like, eh, I don't think I can put this out there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more often than you think. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the big, the biggest thing is we try to always make sure anything we're posting out there is a high-quality HD. So we get a lot of stuff sent in that may not be uh, the HD requested version. So it might be a good photo, but until we actually have that high-resolution one, we don't really want to push any of that out there just for picture quality purposes. So that's always kind of one of the biggest hindrances uh, at first. You got to tell me something that you've gotten that you can't put out there on social media, something that, that's been sent in that you're like, ooh. <laughs> There's plenty of, you know, let's just say people wandering through the woods that may not have clothes on. I knew there was going to be nudity. Uh I knew there was going to be nudity. Is it it all men? Is there at least some female in there? I bet it's all, for some reason, it's pretty much much men. I knew it. I knew that was going to be the answer. Wow. 
The other thing I thought of, Brett, that we did have that uh, was kind of a unique share, and a guy totally staged his proposal for an engagement with the oh, Link wow. Micro, set that up on the shoreline of this bank and had to capture the whole proposal process. So, I mean, there's these cameras are starting to get used for a lot of wide variety of things that just aren't necessarily buck photos or wildlife viewing, and it's it's cool to see. Did he have his clothes on? He did. Okay, that is that was one I could share. Okay, good. I just, I knew he was gonna be naked dudes. I just knew that was gonna be the answer it's for some reason. Lowest common denominator. Yeah. It all it just always bring it back. <laughs> you know, I had one I had one a couple of years ago that was a Florida Panther that it was in full pursuit of a big Florida doe. And I mean, right in front of the camera, I was trying to go through my phone and see if I could find it, send it to Dan to show it. It's if you scroll back through the Instagram page far enough, you'll see it. But it was one of those that I'm like, this is like, incre it was legit incredible. And I spent like two days making sure that it was actually this guy's photo. Cause that's the other thing is, you know, if you're using, user generator content, you always want to make sure you're actually talking to the person that owns the photo Yeah. and posted it. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to blow up. And it was just like another post. I'm like, are you, <laughs> this is like National Geographic. Like she's dinner now. She did not get out of this situation. And it ended up being more of a pain in my butt than anything because, well, who gave you that photo? Because my cousin Eddie down in Dubuque is the one that actually got, that's an Iowa deer. Like it was oh, a boy. week of a bunch of people saying, no, this was, this isn't his photo. It's this photo. And I'm like, this is just yeah, <laughs> social media. Dealing with, dealing with social media. I'm I'm glad Tanner is here now, and, and Tanner has has gracefully taken on that mantle of social media manager for SpyPoint, and I can just uh, smile and nod at all the wonderful things that he's doing. Let's just say no two days are ever the same in social media. That is a fact. Do you got some cool? Oh, there it is, right there. Ah. Did she say no? Because that would have been, that, I mean, I'm all for their happiness and everything, but that would have been a viral moment. I don't know if you would have necessarily tagged us and shared that with us if she said no, but she did you say yes. Ah, uh, That's great. Congratulations to the happy couple. Uh, that's pretty cool. What? Anything else new uh, with SpyPoint that we should be aware of or any, uh, any announcements or anything coming up in the future we should keep an eye on? Uh, there are. And... Uh, People should just stay tuned. Oh, um, we, uh, it's a teaser for you. We, we, we set it at ATA and it hasn't changed. We set it at shot show and it hasn't changed. Um, we're not done talking about the flex yet. Oh, uh, but there's some other stuff coming to, uh, that, People just need to go ahead and stay stay tuned into SpyPoint. Um, you know, we're easy to find. Go to any social media, type in SpyPoint, you'll find us. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Uh, we've got a YouTube page. Um, you know, we're 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 turning out as much content as just about anybody. Um, you know, we we're doing blogs. We've got a podcast. We've got a couple video series. Um, but, you know, stay tuned to social media uh, for all of the announcements because uh, I know Tanner has been busy filling in that calendar here for the next uh, three, four, six, eight weeks uh, of all the details that are coming because there there is a lot more in the works from SpyPoint. Uh, Flex was not the end. It was the beginning. Uh, we cool. have absolutely no interest in in uh, sitting back and, and letting anybody catch up. We're, we're still bringing more new stuff. So. Be sure to stay tuned. 
And why should people join the Insiders Club? Why shouldn't they? Um, <laughs> that's there's a there's a lot of really great benefits there. Um, you know, obviously, first and foremost, you know, running cell cameras, getting your photos is the most important thing. We do offer that free photo transmission plan, which a lot of people stay away from cell cams because I think they can't afford the transmission plans. But we're offering 100 free photos every month. You can buy a spy point camera and never spend a dollar on a photo transmission plan. You know, so that's great. You're going to get that hundred photos. But if you're an insider club member, you're going to get automatically upgraded to that basic plan. So you're not getting a hundred free every month. You're getting 250 free. So depending on where your camera's placed, that might even be all you need. So you got that going for you. Um, you know, our buck tracker filters, we were the ones that pioneered that AI filtering technology to be able to just tap a button and say, I just want to see pictures with antlers in them. You know, we were the first ones to do that. But now we've also got hog, we've got uh, doe, we've got turkey, we've got bear, we've got moose, we've got human activity. Um, you, so you unlock all the rest of those filters. You extend your photo look back from 30 days to a year. So you've got a full year of your photo history uh, available to you there. All kinds of exclusive giveaways for insiders. Um, I don't know if anybody was paying attention. We uh, went, we gave away a prize pack worth like $75,000 here this last year, a brand new Toyota pickup truck, a hunt for two in Texas, Rogue Ridge e-bike, a bow package. You know, and that was, that was just for being uh, a member of the insiders club on the hunting rig road trip. We're giving away prizes every month. Sometimes they're spy point prizes, but we've given away grills from camp chef. We've given away Deemer box speakers. We've given away just all kinds of really cool prizes. Um, so you, you've got that there for you as well. It's, it really, it just, it completes, it completes, uh, everything that you need. And, uh, again, people might want to be staying tuned to spy point to see what else is going to be unlocked for insiders later this year. Very cool. Spypoint.com is the website. Trent Marsh, Tanner Turney. Thanks for the time today. It's Thank a pleasure. You, Thank you. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at FindingFurAndFeathers.com. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx.